Support for Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom is brought to you by Manscaped. Thanks to listener participation over the last several months, Manscaped has been kind enough to sponsor the podcast as long as people continue using our promo code SUNNYINKC to get 20% off their entire orders. So thanks to everyone who's helped us out so far. Uh, this is incredible. Check out this suggested intro for the ad read. With live sports being back, it's very possible that we may see an NBA playoff matchup between the Clippers and the Nuggets. So our partners at Manscaped want to make sure your Nuggets are safe as possible when they meet the Clippers. Ah, what wordplay, that's great. But for real, it's been amazing to be partners with them. I've been super impressed with their products. Per their ad copy, Manscaped is here to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. The Lawnmower 3.0 is the best hygiene tool for the modern man. Because of their ceramic blade and skin-safe technology, your snags will be reduced. They actually just released their Shears 2.0 nail kit, which is the perfect add-on to their lawnmower trimmer. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slash-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. So get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code SUNNYINKC at manscaped.com and take your grooming game to the next level. Now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So you're in a new state this time. Are you registered, ready to rock the vote in November? I am completely ready. I recently got my Colorado driver's license, which was an ordeal, by the way. I I went to the driver's license bureau. People are always talking about, you know, this is like a big thing now. People, including people who are related to me by marriage. Sorry, honey. Specifically. Uh, that think that, you know, it's so easy to like get a driver's license and, you know, like dead people are voting and illegals are voting and so on and so forth. I went to the driver's license bureau like a month ago and I had my U.S. passport, which is unexpired. And I had like, you know, six forms, proof of address or whatever. It wasn't six, but it was like three or four, you know, mm-hmm. here's, here's a bill. Here's my W-2. I had my W-2. That's pretty good proof. Um, you know, I had my previous, my Kansas driver's license, you know, which was expired because it expired in April when I turned 33. It just expired on my birthday mm-hmm. and I was living here. So I, you know, couldn't do anything about that, but I went there and they would not accept my passport as proof of my name because it did not have my full middle name. It only had my middle initial. So mm. even though I had like five other documents, including my W2, which did have my middle name on it, they said, Nope, you got to come back. So I had to get my long form birth certificate Whoa, Barack. from Jackson County, Missouri to prove my middle name, which I won't divulge on the podcast keep my anonymity, you know, preserve some of my, some of my privacy, but I did finally get my driver's license Taylor and I am registered to vote. So I'm ready to get out there, rock that vote. Yeah, that's great. It's uh, it's very important. I hope every one of our listeners has done the same. You got to get out there. You got to vote. Um, I know there's some mistrust in the process and all that stuff, but um, you know, your vote will be a hundred percent guaranteed to be lost if you never go vote. So just, um, just go do it. Now as someone in yourself who has not always participated in civic duties, like for instance, paying taxes. Uh, I was a little surprised that you're registered to vote. Are you ready to go? I, first of all, I was late a couple times. I am caught up. I have never completely skipped a tax year. I just, every now and then tax season comes around. I get busy. I got, I know how to pay I got, taxes. I just <laughs> I like just to pay taxes. Exactly right. So, 
That being said, IRS, who I know is listening because they're they're bugging me. Um, bugging your babies. Exactly. Uh, I am extremely excited to vote. I have only voted once. I am also 33 and have only voted for the in 16 and 18. So I never really believed in it before it became everyday part of my whole life all the time. And now I believe in it wholeheartedly. So I'm really looking forward. I'm voting in Kansas, obviously. Um, so I'm I'm going to be there. I'm going out to the to the polling stations. I I'll have my mask and, you know, vote in person. And hopefully I won't get uh, hopefully my vote won't get thrown away. Hopefully you'll see Pat Mahomes there. Welcome in, everybody, to It's Always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. It is week three of the 2020 NFL season. I'm Austin. I'm Taylor. This podcast is brought to you by Sports Illustrated and Manscaped. We've got a great show for you today. We're recapping the week two win over the Los Angeles Chargers. Boy, that was a banger. And we've got another game to preview, the game of the regular season, the most anticipated matchup of the year, and our only Monday night football appearance this year chiefs at Ravens week three coming up on Monday night. But before we get to that, Taylor, we do have some housekeeping matters. First of all, we have a discord server. Do you want to tell our listeners about that fun little? Yeah, we, uh, you tweeted out a uh, same time post that you and I had when we were discussing fantasy football in our discord server and got some, uh, some traction for some of our listeners that, wanted to interact with us either on game day or as it's happened so far this week outside of game day, but you know, discord's fun little, fun little chat room. Um, and so we started and it's always sunny and chiefs kingdom discord server. I haven't made it a hundred percent public yet. Cause I did just kind of want to have whoever wants to join at least shoot me a DM. I don't know. Yeah, exclusive access for our <laughs> birds of war. <laughs> so uh, many of you have joined and I'm super stoked about that. Um, as of this moment, we are up to 37 members, so that's neat. Um, so if you want to chat about football, uh, it's very casual. There's nothing really to it. You just, uh, DM me on Twitter at Taylor underscore wit, and I'll shoot you a discord link. And then there's a phone app. There's a desktop app. There's a web app. There's all kinds of ways you can jump in there, chat with us, post some gifts Do you know, it's basically like Twitter, except for that it's completely private. So you can say whatever you want. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so that's fun. So join us. It's also, you know, it's real time. So we get to just bounce messages off each other, post gifts, all the fun things that we do on Twitter. But again, it is uh, private and do come in, join us, hang out with us. We are actually going to try and do some perks for our Discord people on our Birds of War who are joining our Discord. Uh, we do have a little bit of a special Discord mailbag edition coming up, just a little mini mailbag segment here in the middle, uh, just based on some questions we got in the Discord chat so shoot that DM over and join us on Discord. And in the future, we might try and do uh, either, you know, maybe some chats during game day or, or other fun little things like that, you know, some games or something like that. Um, so definitely check that out. 
uh, listener numbers. Taylor, we need we need more we need more people to listen to our podcast. Yeah, so, no kidding. Where are you guys? Come on, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, tell your neighbors. You you know the best Chiefs podcast in the kingdom, and it's always Sunny in Chiefs Kingdom. Yeah, and it's football season now, so like the podcast is actually interesting now. Like we don't have to like make up content anymore. Now we still will continue to do that. The return of the mini mailbag this week is sort of a, a part of that. We're going to try to bring back some of the things that we were doing in the off season just to fill time, you know, because some of those things are fun, you know, drafting, roasts, things mm-hmm. like that. Uh, we've not had time to do that, but we will be filtering those back in during the regular season as we sort of get up to speed. Um, with kind of our new format now that we actually have football games to talk about, but do tell your friends, uh, read, rate, subscribe, listen, tell everybody, you know, we smash that like button, bro. Smash that like button, smash those RT buttons. (laughs) That is the uh, fastest way to get in our good graces is by slamming those RTs. We love those RTs. It's like the the best feeling in the world, Taylor, when somebody retweets you, I just love it. Yes, I agree. And we know people that know people. So like, you know, get it, get it going guys. We would appreciate it. We certainly appreciate all the loyalty that you guys have shown so far. We have like 200 of the most loyal podcast listeners of all time. Like seriously, the the core group of you are amazing. You interact with us every week. We love it. Uh, we would like to expand our horizons. So let's do that. Yeah. We just want to invite more people into the podcast family. So get out there and bring those people in and don't forget, you know, we will not forget you. We know the OGs out there. So we, uh, we appreciate everybody that's spreading the word. So just continue to do that. Taylor, let's jump into this game that we had in week two. Hmm. So the chiefs traveled to the city of Los Angeles, the city of angels to take on the woebegone chargers. And this game started, we, we just have to talk about first the incredible weirdness of the start of this game. So just to give you some background, I I have watched this entire game, but I I did not catch the first part of this game live. I was on my way to take my 11-week-old corgi puppy, Molly, to her first puppy class. She is. Follow me on Twitter, at RealBirdLawyer. Follow him on Twitter, at TaylorWitt. I was taking her to puppy class, and literally the – you know, I I got in there. We got situated, whatever, you know, instructors – saying some words, whatever. I'm checking my phone. And I see that Justin Herbert has a four-yard rushing touchdown. And I'm like, Justin Herbert, do they have like a wildcat goal line package for Justin Herbert? Like, why why did Justin Herbert just score a rushing touchdown? Justin Herbert started this game. And no one knew that that was going to happen. And we found out today, Taylor, why why that happened. And it is is so Chargers. (laughs) The circumstances are – so incredible and as you said so chargers that you just can't help but laugh they are just their medical staff has got to be the worst medical staff in the history of sports I mean they are just completely inept so he's got this rib issue which first of all first of Tyrod all, you mean Tyrod Taylor. Uh, yes Tyrod Taylor starting quarterback who Anthony Lynn loves has this nagging rib injury that his original plan which is completely bonkers is that he was going to get a shot, a painkiller shot, and then go out there and play NFL football and have people smash into these ribs and do all kinds of horrible things to his body. But that's, you know, that's his journey. So, and that's what football players do. Like that's yeah. not crazy for a football player. Like they, it's do crazy that, for us. Like every I just, week. <laughs> I just, the, the concept it, we just these people are a different breed. So anyways, uh, the chargers doctor who I assume is a doctor, 
and not like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dr. Spichemin from uh, 30 Rock or something. I mean, I sure, think he's, Dr. Mario. Yeah, you know, he's, he's an actual medical doctor. Dr. Toboggan. <laughs> Mantis. And he <laughs> injected this painkiller into Tyrod Taylor's ribs, and he missed so badly that he punctured his lung. And... <laughs> I, I've never had a punctured lung, thank God, but um, it is not exactly a condition that you can play NFL football with. So they first they, they scratched him, and Herbert came out, you know, 10 minutes before the game when Tyrod was getting that shot and was told that he was going to start. And the announcers, I was watching on TV, obviously, and they were like, uh, the Chargers must have kept this so under wraps that he wasn't taking first-team snaps. Nobody talked about it. Nobody, you know, they're like, this is highly unlikely. And then – um, Tyrod Taylor was rushed to the hospital during the game with chest pains because he had a punctured lung. Oh, from his own team doctor. I, this was one of the craziest. It just in terms of like the start of a game. Yeah, one of the biggest surprises. I don't think I've ever seen anything like it in an NFL game. You think about all the information we have. You know, like Schefter is tweeting right. out all the the inactives. You know, the night before at you know 11 30 p.m on saturday night or whatever like we just have so much information in this day and age this was this was batshit and <laughs> yeah and it was it was only it could only be the chargers that that could have pulled off such an unbelievable inept yeah just through this crazy sequence of events but then justin herbert came into the game and you can't really blame the chiefs for not knowing what was going on the first drive because this guy's not taken an NFL snap before there was no preseason. He's a rookie. You know, his, his tape is from Oregon. And of course right. they didn't watch, they didn't watch any Tyrod or they didn't watch any Justin Herbert tape because they prepped Tyrod for Taylor Tyrod. was the starting quarterback and they're, yeah. they're, they're different players with different styles of play. So Justin Herbert comes in and leads the chargers down the field and scores a touchdown. It was very, you know, I think the chiefs took that first drive, just kind of getting their, their bearings and just, okay, this is what he, what he looks like. This is what his fastball looks like. This is where, how he runs this, you know, this is our live film study on, on Justin Herbert. And for his credit, he's a sixth, sixth overall pick. He's a good talented quarterback and he looked like it. I mean, he had zip, he was moving the ball. He looked way better than I expected Tyrod Taylor to look in that game. So, I mean, I was kind of thinking like, damn, I kind of wish we were playing Tyrod right now. Like this kid's slinging it. And he marches down the field, but then you think, you know, all right, well, that's fine. Pat in a shootout, I'll take that. Uh, except the Chiefs didn't really begin the game like that. It was uh, – Yeah, they weren't shooting. No, they, they decided not to shoot. It was a punt. Uh, the Chargers were moving the ball. The defense wasn't looking very great. And by the time you know it, halftime was here, and the Chiefs had just not done anything. Pat had like 60 yards passing. The Chiefs had six points, which is the second lowest in the Pat Mahomes era after the shutout in the AFC Championship game in 2018. Uh, so it was just, they just took a really long time on both sides of the ball to get things going. They did. And again, on the defensive side, it's hard to blame them because you, and I, I engage with some people on Twitter about this. And listen, there were things that the Chiefs defense did very poorly in this game that you cannot make excuses for. The tackling in this game was really bad, and that doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Justin Herbert's the quarterback. It has to do with the fact that they were bad at tackling in this game, right? Like our linebackers Second played, most missed tackles in the NFL right now through two weeks. Yes, through two weeks, which is behind the Jets, by the yeah, way. Yeah, right. So when 
when you're second worst in the NFL and the only team worse than you in a stat is the Jets, that's a bad situation. Yeah. Um, especially since the Chiefs came out and tackled really well through the preseason last year. Remember, they were the best tackling team in the 2019 preseason and then came out and were really a fairly strong tackling team all year, especially at the beginning of the year. But the Chiefs did not have it today or on, on Sunday with the tackles. No. But with respect to playing a quarterback you haven't seen before, I mean, you think of all the preparation that goes into playing an NFL game as a defensive player, all the film study, you know, all of the game planning that goes into that. And listen, I understand that Justin Herbert didn't get first team reps, but he did spend the entire week studying Tyron Matthew and <laughs> Jarius Sneed and Frank Clark and Chris Jones. Like he, he spent the entire week studying the Chiefs defense and their defensive tendencies. And he at least knew the game plan offensively. The Chiefs defensively had no idea what to expect. And it was a little bit reminiscent of week one against Jacksonville last year when Gardner Minshew came into the game yes. for Nick Foles. And I remember people crucified the Chiefs defense in that game. And it turned out that, number one, Gardner Minshew is actually pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and number two, you know, the Chiefs defense ended up being pretty good last season too, good enough to win them the Super Bowl. So I certainly would not, you know, I don't want to get too worked up about the defensive performance in this game, but man, it, it certainly was a very ugly first half. Yeah. And it was just kind of one of those things where, you know, as chiefs fans, I think we've kind of set our bar pretty high. And in fact, the team has set the bar pretty high, but um, it's, it's tough. It's tough to watch that team not go out there and put up 50 points a game. And, and every time they punt, you figure, you know, what happened when really the other side of that ball, I mean, the chargers defense is damn good. They have yes. a ton of talent. They were getting after Mahomes. They were bullying our offensive line. And that happens. That's a, that's an NFL matchup. You know, I know uh, it's now 12 out of the last 13 against the chargers, but that's, it's just one of those deals where, um, you know, they didn't bring their A game. They said, you know, sometimes you got to win ugly. Not every one of those games is going to be pretty. And they eventually, fortunately, did start to kind of figure things out after halftime. Um, after their first possession was a punt, then they kick a field goal um, to cut the Chargers lead that was 17 to 6 down to 17 to 9. And that field goal was the first of Harrison Bucker's amazing day. He had they had a fourth and 15 from the 40 and he banged in a 58 yarder that you thought was going to be his highlight, but turns out he was uh, just getting it started. Yeah. And honestly, I just on that field goal too, that was, that was a pretty, that was a pretty gutsy field goal call because yeah. it was 58 yards and the chiefs were down 17 to six. Yep. So kicking that doesn't get you a whole lot. It gets you within eight points, but you still have to score a touchdown and get a two point conversion to tie the game. And if you miss that field goal from 58 <laughs> yards, you give the Chargers the ball back at midfield down 11. Yeah. Like that was a, that was a, I honestly was pretty upset with that field goal call just because the, the, the risk reward calculus there didn't seem to be particularly in the Chiefs' favor. But, but to be clear, course, it was fourth and 15, so you would have rather punted. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, no, I'm not saying I would have rather punted it. I also hate punting. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, that was that was a tough situation to be in for the yeah. Chiefs, right? Like, Unless you know, you've seen Harrison Bucker kick the ball 70 yards in pregame and you decided. exactly mm-hmm. what Dave Tobe and Andy Reid did, and they obviously had more information to make that decision with, and they made the right call because he banged it in. He was completely true. And I think it's it's weird to say because, you know, kickers – Kickers are people too. 
And obviously, this is a week where most of what we're going to do on this podcast is appreciate our great kicker, Harrison Bucker. But it's weird to say this, and you know how much I hate the word momentum, Taylor. Mm-hmm. But like him hitting that field goal did feel like a little bit of a mon- momentum shift. Like you're still down eight points, but you're only down one score. He yeah. hit it from 58 yards. You didn't have to punt it back to the other team. Like you were, at, you had fourth and 15. The drive stalled out, but you still got three points. Yeah. And after we kicked that field goal, the Chiefs did respond. Yeah, they did. Um, and Justin Herbert, who had been playing exceptional and really finished the game exceptional, but this was kind of his one hiccup where he had an easy conversion, easy, easy running conversion. But on second and two, he decided to get a little bit greedy with it. And he saw Keenan Allen in the middle of the field, but who he did not see was the backside cornerback, Legereus Need, watching the whole time. So he kind of tried to emulate Pat a little bit and was running to his left and threw back right across his body and threw it up for grabs. And Legereus came up with his second pick in two weeks, which was a huge momentum shift. I mean, it was, you know, the, the if the Chargers go down there and even if they answer with a field goal, now it's back to 11 and it's the end of the third quarter. It's just very, very messy. But um, instead, Steve comes up with a big play and the Chiefs take over and game on. So instead of the Chiefs had the ball at the the Chargers 40, all right, they kick the 58-yard field goal and they convert it. If they don't convert it, the Chargers get the ball at the 40. They give the ball back to the Chargers and Herbert is is driving. I mean, they're in Chiefs territory. They're on the Kansas City 39 with second and two. And he literally is like a foot away from crossing under the first down marker. Not, not quite that because he obviously he was behind the line of scrimmage right through. But he had, he had six feet to go to get the first down. I, and he probably would have picked up another five or six yards at least. Like he was wide. There was nobody near him. And then he throws a pick. And then the Chiefs take the ball from their own five-yard line and go down and score the game-tying touchdown. 54 yards from their own 46 Patrick Mahomes rolling out to the right on a designed rollout Mm. and about to get hit, throws it just on a dime. I mean, like this is a perfect throw and a perfect catch. And Tyreek rolls, literally rolls into the end zone Mm -hmm. for the touchdown. I mean, that was the play we were waiting to see the whole first half. Yeah, and it's, you know, the the Mahomes and Tyreek connection is one that when you have a guy with Mahomes' arm and Tyreek's speed, you just are waiting for that opportunity every single game. And it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it's magical and glorious. And it's just really, really hard to defend, too. And for a second, let's talk about his helmet real quick, because I know a lot of people were upset with Tyreek for immediately taking off his helmet, and Charger fans were upset at the refs for not flagging him for an unsportsmanlike, but uh, his chin strap came unbuckled. His helmet was already coming off. He had to have taken the helmet off to readjust it anyway. So he rolls, he hits the ground, he pops up, he takes the helmet that was already coming off off. The referees obviously saw it the same way. They didn't flag him. Just get, get over it. I know we don't have any Chargers fan listening, but I just wanted to. Yeah. Cause they don't exist. <laughs> yeah. The reason they were busy tonight. <laughs> the reason. Yeah. The reason they were so upset about it is because it would have pushed the chiefs back on the two point conversion and it would have been a 15 yard penalty. So instead of running it from the two or the three, oh, they'd whatever, take the extra point probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And then they're down a point and the whole game changes. But like you said, I mean, if we, if we, except Tyreek's explanation of what was going on, which we have no reason not to. Um, it shouldn't have been a penalty. This, this, was, this was a crazy play. And then the two-point conversion <laughs> somehow was almost crazier yeah. than the touchdown. I mean, like, 
those two plays in a row are are probably the two best plays we've seen from Pat this season. And they yeah. they kind of go back to the crazy freelancing 2018 Patrick Mahomes. You know, the there are the young Patrick Mahomes, not that he's old, but I mean, <laughs> you know, it, this was vintage Patrick Mahomes. That's what that's what <laughs> nice. I'll call it. On on a day when uh, three years or two years ago today, Taylor, we were uh, we were out at Arrowhead for his first home start and watching mm-hmm. the scramble against the 49ers. I remember it well. Where he rolled out and threw to the back of the end zone, just one of the first iconic Patrick Mahomes plays. On Sunday, we saw these were these were iconic Patrick Mahomes plays. These are making the season highlight reel. They're probably going to make the career highlight reel. He's so amazing that the reactions are are just funny to watch to me that people, you know, um, Sam Brad or Sam Bradford, Jesus. Uh, I mean to say Sam Darnold had a very, very nice escape the pocket, get out of, you know, or escape trouble, get out of the pocket, throw a dime for a touchdown. And everyone kept retweeting going, Oh, if Patrick Mahomes did this. It'd be all over the highlight reels. But it's mm-hmm. like the point there is that he's done it so many times, so many times that like, it, now he does it and it's just like Pat Mahomes throws a 40, 54 yard touchdown to Tyree kill. And then like, it's just very, it's old news by now, which is crazy because the dude is unreal. Who are you more impressed with on the two point conversion? McCole Hardman's fingertip catch or Pat even seeing him in the first place. Cause they're both absurd. Honestly, I think the catch is maybe even a little bit better. I mean, he had to snatch yeah. it out of yeah. the air. He was I pushed mean, the moment that it was thrown pushed from behind the moment that it was thrown and it, he just, and it's a bullet, obviously it's coming from Pat. So it's not, you know, it wasn't a lob. I mean that it was, uh, it was remarkable to even pull that off. And then once the chiefs tied it, you know, you're as the spectators, it's the end of the fourth quarter and it's a tie or it's the end of the third quarter. It's a tie game. You know, I, I expected the, the fourth quarter to go a little bit, um, more in the chiefs favor than it did, but the chargers for their credit, took 10 minutes off the dang clock because uh, the Chiefs couldn't really do much on defense against them on that drive. Went 17 plays. This is such a charger drive. 17 plays, 82 yards, get down all the way to the Kansas City four-yard line and kick a 23-yard field goal and give Pat Mahomes two and a half minutes to uh, go down and beat him. And that was as soon as Herbert was tackled and didn't, um, didn't throw the touchdown, I felt pretty good about the situation. Yeah, they actually got all the way down to the three, Taylor. They they had second and goal from the three, and nice. then they got sacked for a yard loss. Taco uh, got the credit for that. Uh, as Herbert was rolling out, he just made the tackle there. Mm-hmm. And then they kicked a field goal from fourth and five. And I don't know if you've had a chance yet to watch the Tyron Matthew mic'd up segment that dropped today. If you guys have not watched this yet, you have to watch it. The best, there's a lot of good lines in there. A lot of good lines in there. Yeah. Uh, he's making fun of Herbert for being a first-round pick. Like, and why won't first-round pick? Throw the ball. I mean, top-ten pick, out. bro. I'd be cussing my coach out. Uh, but he he gets the Chiefs defense gets the stop on third down, and he says, "Kick the fucking field goal. <laughs> Game, Game over. over. <laughs> Game over." And that was the feeling that we all had as Chiefs fans, and that was the feeling on the broadcast. You know, Nance and Romo. You know, of course, expected Patrick Mahomes getting the ball with two and a half minutes left to go down and get a touchdown. And yeah. frankly, Taylor, he almost did. The Chiefs could have gotten a touchdown on this drive. We had another iconic, incredible oh. Patrick Mahomes moment on third and 20 <laughs> at the LA 45. He goes up the middle 
for a 21-yard gain <laughs> with his legs to pick up the first down Man. with 54 seconds left in the game. And and that was a moment where you're like, I mean, this is for sure over. Like, we're not losing this right. game. We're right. going to get into the end zone. And the very next play, there was a great pass to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. And then it was called back. We had we had a holding penalty uh, on this drive. I guess that was two plays afterwards that wiped out a really nice game to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, a really good catch ball. and throw yeah. or throw and catch to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire that would have put the Chiefs right on the doorstep of the end zone. And a little bit of a ticky-tack holding call. There were a lot of interesting penalties that were called in this game. <laughs> yeah. Um, we'll just kind of leave it at that. And the Chiefs had to settle. And – once again, I mean, Harrison Bucker, he's already hit a 58-yarder in this game. Right. That wasn't, you know, it wasn't a game winner. It wasn't, you know, the final seconds of regulation or overtime. But we've already talked about the stakes of that field goal, you know, giving the Chargers the ball back potentially at the 40 if you miss it, you know, up 11 points. That would be a bad situation if you miss that kick, but he makes it from 58. Right. Here, you need to make it to tie the game and send it to overtime. It's only a 30-yarder, but he nails it straight through the uprights. And then – we come out for the coin toss and the chiefs lose the coin toss. And I got to tell you, this was a horrible feeling Yeah, because the last time the chiefs lost an overtime coin toss, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. And you know, most NFL teams that lose the overtime coin toss, lose the game. I mean, that's a, it's just hard to not get the ball first. It's just hard because the other team can go down there and score. And, um, the chargers had just had the ball, you know, 10 minutes on offense and looked like they could do everything except for punching in at the end. But in overtime, uh, fortunately, the old Chargers kind of showed back up and their very first play to Keenan Allen was a one yard, just a little short pass that went nowhere. And then they decided to run Austin Eckler right end for another two yards. So now they're looking at third and seven with their rookie quarterback that, you know, he throws it to Mike Williams, but it's short and they're facing a fourth and one situation from their own 34 with Pat Mahomes on the other sideline. And you just, you know, I know you're at the 34 and I know if you miss this, the chiefs can just go ahead and kick the game winner. Literally just kick the field. Just literally run out Butker and not even run the offense. But you, aren't you also kind of expecting that if you punt it, that they're just going to run down there and kick the field goal. Like, is it, are you really saving that much? Like you need to go down and score. That's, that's what you need to do against the chiefs. But Anthony Lynn, bless his heart. He decided to punt. This was an insane call. And (laughs) if again, the, the Tyra Matthew mic'd up, he was like, he was giving it to him hard. He was like, y'all got to go for it. And you're not going to go for it. Oh man. You're not going to go for it. The, your quarterback six foot six. Yeah, just fall just forward. Just run a sneak <laughs> yeah. and fall forward. He's two yards long. Uh-huh. Just fall forward with the ball. <laughs> I, I mean, this was an insane play. And and Anthony Lynn was asked to defend this after the game, and he said, "Well, look, you know, I gave us a chance to win, and that's technically true. I mean, you know, the Chiefs did end up needing to hit three fifty-plus yard field goals in a row to actually win this game. But man, you just." the way they ran the ball on us, given the fact that your quarterback six foot six and a big guy yeah. and you have a yard to go. I mean, yeah, we weren't Ch- stuffing them all game. The chiefs had fourth and one on their own 34 against Houston in the first quarter of the first game. And you know what? They went for it. And Anthony Lynn wouldn't go for it in overtime against Patrick Mahomes. He's like, nah, I'm good. I'm going to punt the ball back to Patrick Mahomes. They We're had fine. 183 yards rushing this game. Like uh, run the ball. I mean, it's crazy. And honestly, if you go for it and you miss it, 
that is so much easier to defend yes. as yes. a decision. Right. You know, like even if you get stuffed and you yep. make the wrong call, like that was the right call. You know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But man, it's so much easier to say, look, we had 180 yards rushing the ball and they have Patrick Mahomes and it's <laughs> overtime and the next uh-huh. score wins the game. We, we felt like we had to go for it. I, it's, it's a baffling decision. It's almost as baffling as him saying that Tyrod Taylor is their healthy uh, is their starter when he's healthy. But oh. we'll probably get into that in he the next said, segment. Justin Herbert, that's why he's a backup. That's like why he's, he's a backup. Roasted him. Yep. I mean, yeah. that was yeah, inexcusable. Was, but you're rough. right. Yeah. So we're issuing the highlight of the entire game. I mean, this Harrison Bucker kid. I don't know <laughs> how many people understand how good of a kicker he is. But why don't you I, tell us? <laughs> I wrote a piece for Sports Illustrated that you should all definitely go check out at si.com. Slam that RT button too. Go, go find it. Slam yes. It. Yes. Go look for it on Twitter. Um, you guys, he's amazing. And the Chiefs, when they got the ball back, uh, it wasn't pretty. They had a third and eight that um, there was a offsides that got him to third and three and then Pat converted it. And they were, you know, they were just kind of chugging along uh, third and four. Mahomes scrambled for three and didn't get it. And then on fourth and one, they gave the ball to Darwin Thompson, which I thought was uh, a little surprising, but they were on the 46 and they decided that's the play call there. And eventually they get down to the 35 yard line and they've got fourth and one, two minutes left. Can't really screw around too much longer. You've got Harrison Bucker. So they decide to line up the game winning 53 yard field goal. And everyone's going, well, he hit from 58, but, hitting two 50-yard field goals in the same game is just, man, that's a tough ask. And I know that, you know, if, if we miss this, then we can still play for the tie, blah, blah, blah. So he lines it up. He does the arm. He, he sails it right through the uprights, but there's yellow on the field. Nick Allegretti was flagged for a false start. So now you're thinking, damn, fourth and six, do the Chiefs go for this? Like, it, it's, it's at the 40. That's a 58-yarder. That's what he hit earlier. Only one kicker in NFL history has ever hit two 58-plus-yard field goals in the same game. So this is – Butker's already up against it. But they trot him out. They feel good about him. He's been – it's in a dome. He's been kicking great. And he lines up the 58-yarder, bangs it right through the uprights. But, of course, as NFL games and – or in football games in general – Often happen, uh, the opposing team decides to try and ice the kicker, and they called the timeout before the 58 yards, so it doesn't count. Now you're thinking, geez, he hit a 58 earlier. He hit a 53. He hit a 58. Are we really going to test fate and that he can knock four 50-plus field goals, 50-yard field goals in the same game? But, of course, he's got ice water in his veins, lines it up again. Once he hits, makes contact with the ball, he immediately turns around, arms raised, like Steph Curry shooting a three. I mean, this guy knew this was money from the moment he touched it. It's just one of the most improbable, crazy. I, I just love Harrison Bucker so much, and I can't believe that we have not only the best quarterback in the game and the most de- decorated and experienced tight end in the game and the fastest wide receiver in the game, but we also have the second best kicker in the game yeah I mean this is one of those classic football situations right to ice the kicker and not ice the kicker and I got to tell you I was feeling a little apprehensive just because like you said we're talking about a guy essentially going four for four from 53 58 58 58 in a game (laughs) which is crazy and on the other hand 
And I, I think most of the kickers I've ever heard speak on this have said this. Mm-hmm. They think the more reps they get, the better they're going to be. And they look at icing as like a free practice kick. Yeah. This is the exact situation I'm about to kick it in. And his last kick was right down the middle. I mean, the first one, <laughs> the first one hugged the left upright a little bit, but he yeah. still made it from 53. Yeah. The The second kick was a little closer to the middle. Third kick, he really just, I mean, he squared up in his press conference after the game. I mean, he said, you know, like, after they iced me, you know, we, I said, you know, I feel like I got good leg speed on that, obviously good distance. And then just made a little bit of an adjustment and that kick would have been good from 65 yards. I mean, it was insane. He hit from 70 yards at halftime. NFL kickers are not high school and college kickers. They are absolute machines. They're professionals. They kick this, all they do for their entire job is kick this football. And icing the kicker is about, mental state it's about making the kid think about the big kick and get the jitters and and get up there and get nervous that's not what nfl kickers do especially good nfl kickers and if you're gonna ice somebody maybe make it someone like steven goskowski after he's missed a million kicks that game you know i mean something where it makes some sense don't ice the the young stud and let him go out there and just bomb him and figure out exactly what his leg speed needs to be and the wind and the, I mean, it's just, it's, it was a rest. Seven months ago, he was kicking in the Super Bowl and it was in a full stadium, by the way, not this (laughs) empty stadium. Like you don't even have fans in there, right? you know, screaming at him and chanting and whatever, trying to psych him out. Right. Like just, I I don't know. It was fans if it was the charger game, but yeah, well, it would have been right. There would have been plenty of people either silent or cheering him on, you know, it, it was, it was a questionable call, but you know, again, we're talking about a guy having to make four live kicks of 53 plus 53 and three from 58. And I I mean, it's pretty crazy that he hit all three that requires incredible consistency. You know, Justin Tucker has never hit a 58 yard kick as Ravens fans uh, have been furious to learn on Twitter. Uh, I tweeted that stat out. I'm not saying that, that Harrison Bucker is a better kicker than Justin Tucker, but I'm not not saying that all you said was that he's he justin tucker is 0 for 2 from exactly 58 yards that's all you were saying that's all i said was two for two in that game um just to wrap that put a pin in that topic harrison bucker is five for five on kicks of 54 or longer in his career justin tucker's 12 out of 22 so that's not very good it's not as good as five for five i mean it's still pretty good we're talking about justin tucker's amazing but he's 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 amazing but uh, it's Ravens week, so he's not as good as butt kicker. We got to throw some shade. This was this was a fun game. We're going to kind of wind this down, and then we'll get into our middle segment here. But Pat, for the first time playing the Chargers, did not set a new career low in passing yards. In fact, mm-hmm. he managed somehow to have a 300-yard game. Yep. The Chiefs now have won 11 straight going back to last year. The Chiefs have come back from down 10 plus points, double digit deficits in six, uh, six games. They have six consecutive comebacks of down 10 plus where they were down in the game 10 plus and they still won the game. Hmm. So that is an NFL record. Uh, 10 that seems pretty six, good. Six times in a row when the chiefs fell behind double digits, they won the game. I mean, that that's, that's unbelievable. Patrick <laughs> Mahomes is a sensation and thanks to Patrick Mahomes and our goat kicker, the Chiefs are 
one and zero in the AFC West, kicking things off right. No pun intended. Ooh, ooh, that was pretty. I like it. So we are going to insert a uh, Discord mailbag edition here. We've got two questions that we just want to shout out uh, our guys that have been faithfully following us on Discord. Uh, this is from Zirock Robster, or on Twitter, he's known as his Royal Veechness, Veech the Godman. I enjoy that quite a bit. He said, Do you believe the Chiefs can really run it back? Um, I mean, yeah, for sure. Yep. I, I still feel. Yep at this point that the chiefs haven't even begun to peak. And when they peak, the whole NFL is going to know it. And this is just kind of, you know, they've knocked some rust off. They've, uh, they've beaten two pretty good teams in the Texans and chargers. I'm not saying they're, you know, world beaters or anything, but those are solid teams that the chiefs knocked off. And now we've got the big tests. Now we've got the Ravens and the Patriots. And this is where uh, we're really going to find a lot about this early 2020 Chiefs team. But uh, yeah, I see no reason. I'm not picking anyone else in the NFL right now. I'm not sure many people here would either. This week will tell us a lot. This is a huge game. We'll get into it in just a little bit. I mean, that is the Chiefs competition. Through two weeks, the only team in the AFC that poses any threat to the Chiefs run it back campaign is the Ravens. Obviously, we'll uh, talk about this game and the disproportionate impact it's going to have on the rest of the season here in a minute. But yeah, I mean, yeah, they absolutely can. And they might. And they probably will. (laughs) We've got uh, Corio4. You all know him as the artist chief. He is also part of our Discord clan. He's got a, a kind of a callback to our sillier days of the mailbag where he said, let's say Elon Musk is right and we are all just video game characters. You are now, and forevermore, a video game character being controlled by someone else. You can only choose between Houston Texans head coach Bill O'Brien or Washington football team disgraced owner Dan Snyder to guide you through the rest of your life. Pick one and why. You'll be oblivious to this knowledge, but they will control you. Um, I see this as kind of a, a tale between incompetence and evil. I think in general, I think Dan Snyder would make me do some stuff that I would regret for the rest of my life. Uh, And Bill O'Brien just, he would just struggle to figure out some stuff. I already kind of struggle to figure out some stuff in life anyway. I'm not sure I'd be much worse off with Bill O'Brien in control. So I'm going to go with Bill. I don't think I want to uh, burn in hell for all eternity from the things that Dan Snyder would make me do. Yeah, I, you know, for all his competency faults, Bill O'Brien actually is a fairly decent dude. He, sure. um, he yeah. joins players in protesting. Uh, I know he does a lot for kids with special needs. You know, he has some, some, uh, I believe he has one in his family, um, kind of a family guy. And, you know, for all his uh, incompetence, uh, he probably would be a better person morally, uh, certainly to guide you through life. Now I did a little digging on Daniel Snyder because sure. I only knew him of course, as the, extremely incompetent owner of the Washington football team. You know, uh, you said disgrace. The latest scandal was, you know, uh, widespread rampant sexual harassment throughout the entire organization. Uh, In addition to the team name, which obviously changed to Washington football team after years of going around as a racial slur. But I will say uh, Daniel Snyder actually was an extremely competent businessman. You would not know it from the way that his football team is run. But he was a uh, he set a record. He became the youngest ever CEO of a New York Stock Exchange listed company uh, in hmm. 1996. He was the CEO at age 32 uh, of a company called SNC, and he actually is a self-made billionaire. You don't get a whole lot of those 
in the United States anymore. I mean, usually it's people that come from money, you know, it's, it's hundred thousand heirs that turn into millionaires or billionaires or sure. millionaires that turn into billionaires. Got to have money to make money. Economics 101. That's exactly right. The money keeps going around in a circle, but he actually, uh, you know, he's the, the son of two, uh, you know, working class people. And he ended up making, you know, a $2.6 billion fortune uh, as of 2019. So I don't know. I mean, like, he definitely would make you do some bad things, uh, but I think you would also do some cool things, right? Like, I mean, you're a billionaire. Sometimes bad and cool are one in the same. Exactly right. I mean, you're probably talking about, you know, some uh, crazy parties in Russia with some exotic uh, foreign women. Doing some crazy like shit. Yeah, some crazy shit. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to choose Dan Snyder just to mix it up, uh, okay. but yeah, I, I mean, morally, it would be very questionable, um, especially since, you know, we've all watched Westworld, right? Like, you yeah. know, a, a billionaire with uh, no moral compunctions because it's not the real world. I mean, you're you're literally you would be like one of the, the hosts in Westworld, right? Like he'd be he'd be killing you every day. He'd be he'd be banging you every day. He'd be banging <laughs> you while he kills you. He'd be killing you while he bangs you. I mean, <laughs> crime, penetration, crime, full <laughs> penetration. It would be a disaster, but I'm going to pick Dan Snyder just because I think it would be more interesting. I like it. So thanks, guys, <laughs> on the Discord for both of those questions. Um, again, please feel free to shoot me a DM on Twitter if you would like to join the fun on that server, and we will certainly be active on game day and chatting with those guys. So that'll be fun. Well, let's move on to what is happening. What is happening, Taylor? What is happening? We've got all kinds of uh, fun NFL games to talk about. Uh, we clearly have to start with our AFC West people that are not the Chargers. So, yeah, that, our rival. That, how about that Raiders Saints game? The two and O Los Angeles, no, no Vegas. Ugh, <laughs> I was thinking Oakland. I was like, I'm not going to say Oakland. I'm not going to say Oakland. <laughs> I said Los Angeles. The Las Vegas Raiders opening up in the Death Star in Las Vegas take out the saints 34 to 24 and they are tied with the chiefs atop the afc west 2 and 0 this was a this was a frustrating game i i tweeted this out so you stop me if you've heard the story before those of you who saw this on twitter you don't have to listen i am in a fancy league in my office and i was playing my new supervisor i'm back in our uh, trial division now so i'm back in court and uh, so i just came to this unit last week i'm playing my boss in fantasy football I was down, so I needed Alvin Kamara to outscore Josh Jacobs and Emmanuel Sanders combined, the two of them, by 22 points. No chance. No Michael Thomas, no chance. I I mean, there was no chance of it happening, but it did happen. I (laughs) won on the last play of the game, a little garbage time dump off to Alvin Kamara that did nothing except advance the ball, garbage time. Drew Brees padding those all-time passing stats. I won by .3. It was outrageous. But that was the only good thing that happened in this game was my fantasy team because – I I frankly am stunned that the saints allowed this offense of the Raiders to happen. They just did the same things over and over. They kept calling the same plays. You know, they get three yards, they get two yards. It'd be third and five. They'd get four yards. They'd go four and a fourth down. They'd get one yard, you know, like this was this, the Raiders averaged 4.7 yards per play in this game, which is not very good. The saints averaged seven yards per play in this game, but the Raiders just kept converting. And I tweeted this out today. My big takeaway from this game, Taylor, this offensive design from the Raiders, this three yards on a cloud of dust thing that's straight out of 1998, hmm. it it can only work that style of offense that that's like we're not ever gonna we're not ever gonna have a big play ever. 
that can only work and be successful if you can consistently convert on third and medium, third and short, and then fourth and medium, fourth and short. Like mm -hmm. you have to be able to cons consistently move the chains because otherwise you're not going to be able to score. I mean, the problem with not ever having any big plays, not ever having any chunk plays is that you just, you have to always get three yards and convert the first down, right? Or else the drive is over. You don't score any points. And yeah. I, I was frankly disappointed in the saints inability to adjust to what the Raiders were doing and stop it because it really felt like they were doing the same thing over and over. And clearly on the offensive side of the ball, the saints really missed Michael Thomas and they really missed Drew Brees, arm from like six years ago. <laughs> yeah. They, uh, they certainly were not the, um, the new Orleans juggernaut that we've seen very recently. You know, I was also really disappointed in the saints penalties for the second straight week. They had over a hundred yard pen penalties. They lead the NFL in penalty yardage. They gave the Raiders five first downs via penalties, including some just killer ones late. And it, it just, they're, they were undisciplined, which, you know, Sean Payton gets a lot of love for being one of the top three or so coaches in the NFL. And uh, they certainly did not look like a disciplined team in this. It was 76 Raiders plays to only 57 plays for the Saints. There was crazy. It was uh, just an absolute heart wrenching. I just as a person that always wants to see the Raiders lose and they were on prime time and they're playing a good quarterback or who was a good quarterback at one point. I just, I was really expecting, um, uh, you know, Raiders to fall on their face like they normally do, but maybe this is a new Raiders team. I doubt it. Um, I'm sure they will get exposed coming up here shortly. They have a pretty grueling schedule. So they're two and zero, according to our friend Raider Cody, they are Super Bowl contenders. Hmm. Uh, this week they travel to Foxborough to play the new England Patriots. Always hard. Then they play the Buffalo Bills, who are also 2-0 at home in the Death Star in Las Vegas. Then, of course, they travel to Arrowhead to play the Chiefs. Yikes. That's obviously a guaranteed loss. Then they get the Buccaneers at home. So the next four games, the Raiders are playing four, possibly four playoff teams. Yeah. We'll see about the Patriots. We'll see about the Bucs. But the Bills and Chiefs certainly look like they're going to be strong playoff contenders. So, listen, a best-case scenario for the Raiders – they somehow managed to off the Patriots and Bills, the AFC East Titans, and then they come to Arrowhead 4-0, and we blow them out 40-10 to or something, right. just like we do every year. Hey, this is not going to – this is not sustainable. And even after that Tampa game, do you expect them to win at Cleveland and at the Chargers? I mean, they're, they're, they're just not in a pretty good spot. Um, no. You know, no, they're not at all. But that's okay. We'll, we'll accept that. That's fine. We'll deal with the Raiders when we deal with the Raiders. We're going to see them in three weeks. The Broncos, yeah. on Oof. the other hand, boy, uh, we don't see them for a while, and that's probably okay with them because their starting quarterback may be Blake Bortles for the next few weeks. Jeez. Uh, Drew Locke gets hurt in this game. The Broncos in the offseason inexplicably, like they, they like went out of their way to not get a good backup quarterback. <laughs> could have had I had Cam Newton, didn't want to bring him in, didn't want to hurt Drew Luck's feelings. They brought in Jeff Driscoll instead. Drew Luck gets hurt in this game. Who could have seen that coming against that Pittsburgh Steelers pass rush against that horrid Broncos offensive line? He gets hurt. He has an AC joint sprain. He's going to be out two to six weeks, which is kind of a, a weird time. Pretty table, big window. Yeah. yeah, they play the Chiefs in five weeks, and yesterday they signed former Jags legend Blake Bortles who I guess is going to come in and compete with Jeff. I can't even, I can't even finish the sentence without laughing. <laughs> they also lost Cortland Sutton for the year. 
they're really hurting. And I can tell you living here in Broncos country, of course, their attitude is, woe is me, all these injuries. We were supposed to be so good this year. They were never going to be good. And I feel bad about the injuries because obviously it would be way better if they were completely healthy and they sucked. Now they're just going to pretend that this was all, you know, some cruel trick of fate. Whatever, Taylor. The point is, Broncos are not very good. They are absolutely zero threat to the Chiefs this year. Zero. Absolutely. And then around the rest of the NFL for what is happening, um, I did really quickly want to make fun of the Falcons for the worst onside kick recovery attempt of all time, easily. They blew the big 19-point lead. They were up 29-10 on the Cowboys. The Cowboys had a onside kick that the Falcons forgot the rules of football and they thought that they needed to wait for the ball to travel 10 yards before they could pick it up. That is just the kicking team. That's not the receiving team. So they just sat there and watched it and watched it and watched it. And then the moment it crossed the 10 yard line, a cowboy jumped on it or the 10 yard distance. So I thought that was funny. That was a pretty bad, pretty bad old situation for the Falcons. They are not strangers to blowing leads. And then, of course, we've got Kyler and the boys. That's the only other – 2-0. 2-0. You know, and o. Kyler looks great. He looks like a perennial MVP candidate. He's running all over the place. He's throwing a nook. He's uh, They've got a good thing going in Arizona. They sure do. And uh, we obviously talked about it on the preview show. Both you and Sam uh, were very high on Kyler and the Cardinals, and I was high on them as well. I thought I was going to be high on them, and then I ended up being like the low man on them. I think I predicted yeah. them to be – you know, third place in the division, you know, possible seventh wild card team or something like that. But man, they're two and zero, and they look good for sure. Uh, the Patriots lost a close one to the Seahawks in a really fun Sunday night football game. We just had a lot of fun games so far this year. Agreed. And man, this one came down to a a goal line play, literally one play for the game. The Patriots down five at the, I believe it was the one yard was line. It the one, just yep, like with, the Super Bowl. One play left on the clock, and they of course, did what everybody knew that they were going to do. They handed the ball to Cam Newton, who already had a couple of touchdowns in that game, and the Seahawks stuffed him, and they win the game. They hold on. Russell Wilson had, I believe, five passing touchdowns in this one. Is that right? He has nine for the season, which is one short of the NFL record set by Mahomes in 18. He is for sure cooking. Uh, These were both fun teams. We're not going to see the Seahawks this year unless – it's in the Super Bowl, but we are going to see the Patriots in two weeks, and they're looking pretty good. I don't know how yeah. much longer Cam can stay healthy doing what he's doing right now, but he certainly looked uh, very good on Sunday night, ran for our through for 397 yards, really brought the Patriots back um, in this game and had them in contention, you know, almost brought him back down and won it. They were a pretty, a pretty competitive team last year, and then they upgraded their quarterback, so of course they're going to be better. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's kind of what we were looking at around the NFL, Taylor. I mean, is there anything else that kind of stood out to you? I guess the Bills, who are we gonna we're gonna see in three or four weeks, they beat the Dolphins barely, thirty-one to twenty-eight. Yeah. But Josh Allen, who we have made fun of relentlessly on this podcast, had four hundred seventeen yards passing yeah. and four touchdowns. He's yeah. leading the NFL in passing yards after. Yeah. Josh Allen. Yeah. If you had been able to get a prop bet on that before the season, I don't know what your odds would have You'd been. Be they would have been bajillionaire. Crazy. Yeah. Would have been crazy odds. Yeah, uh, he does look pretty good, and hopefully they can uh, make a pretty competitive AFC East. You know, it's been so long since anyone's won that East, and clearly the Jets and Dolphins aren't up for the task. So um, might as well have 
have the Bills be a division winner for the first time in a while. And then just those injuries, dude. Injuries, injuries, injuries all over the NFL. Saquon, CMC, Locke, and uh, we talked about Sutton. Bosa, Jimmy G, Mostert, Tyrod, Sterling Shepard. Guys were just dropping left and right. It was a, a wild week, too. It made you, obviously, it made you feel good about the Chiefs' health situation coming into this game against the Chargers. There yeah. were people that were jokingly, but also <laughs> saying, you know, don't. saying, yeah, don't play Pat, put him in a bubble, <laughs> yeah. which we, we were way out ahead of the curve on the bubble thing, by the way. Yeah, we you know, were. We, we've been talking bubble for two weeks now, <laughs> popping him in there, keeping him safe. But obviously, for the Chiefs to come out of that game without any injuries, given just the absolute brutal in some cases, probably season-defining injuries. I mean, like, look at the Niners. They are, they lost Bosa for the year. They've got Jimmy G out for probably multiple weeks. Right. Um, Raheem Mostert, their starting running back, has a knee injury. I don't know how serious that is, but it could be a while. You know, that team went from, you know, Super Bowl runner-up to Nick Mullins starting a quarterback <laughs> in the, the blink of an eye. D Ford, of course, is injured as well. Yeah. They traded away DeForest Buckner. Bosa's out for the year, and D Ford is always banged up and nicked up. I mean, that suddenly is a completely different team than the one that we saw just seven months ago. And they've already lost a big division game to the Cardinals. I mean, they're they're reeling for sure. Yeah, and then of course with the Chargers uh, losing their starting quarterback and the Broncos losing their starting quarterback. I mean, you know, already uh, two thirds of our (laughs) AFC West rival quarterbacks are out, and the other guy's Derek Carr. So like the other guy's Derek Carr who was probably the best of those three to begin with, which is saying nothing because, yeah. man, he's Derek Carr and he's bad. It, it, was a, it was an interesting week, and it's only going to get more interesting, Taylor, because this week the Chiefs are in primetime again, traveling to Baltimore in probably one of the most anticipated regular season, early season matchups I can think of ever. I mean, we're talking yeah. about – the best regular season team in 2019, the Baltimore Ravens, one of the best regular season teams we've seen in years, frankly, the way that they dominated the league, they finished on a 12 and O run. They started two and two and then did not lose another game until they ran into that buzzsaw of a Tennessee Titans team in the first round of the playoffs and got dumped ignominiously out of the NFL playoffs. Now we have a matchup between the chiefs and the Ravens Taylor what do you think about this game? I mean, it's it's everything that you want out of an NFL superstar matchups. It's the two reigning MVPs, and not only the MVPs, but the faces of the league right now. Absolutely, without a doubt, Mahomes is there, and really, Lamar is right there with him. I mean, they have been they have dominated every highlight reel, and just they've dominated the NFL. And to see them face off for a third time after the Chiefs have gone. 2-0 against the Ravens and won the Super Bowl and, and done all that. I mean, it's just a really dynamic and fun matchup. And the Ravens, for their part, are in midseason form already. They are absolutely clicking. They dominated the Browns week one. They dominated this week. Uh, they played the Texans. The Texans, who have had qu- a, quite the run over their first two weeks playing the Chiefs and the Ravens. And uh, I know that you don't win the Super Bowl in September. I know that there's still plenty of season left for whichever team drops this game. But as you and I have talked about, there is just a ton riding, especially with the second 
seed no longer receiving a first round buy in the playoffs. It's just, um, it's monumental. There's, it's as, it's as big of a game in week three as there's ever been. Yeah. I think that, I think that is, is sufficient hype for this matchup. I don't think that's, that's overselling it at all. I mean, this is almost Taylor, a more important game for the chiefs just because the chiefs do have, frankly, a tougher schedule. I mean, the Ravens had a pretty soft schedule last year and they have a soft schedule again this year. It's really hard to look at their schedule and see many more games that they're going to drop. And it's hard for the chiefs. It's hard to envision that for the chiefs as well, but the chiefs do play some quality opponents and the Ravens really don't have a lot of tough games left. And so if the chiefs drop this game, their odds of getting the number one seed are going to be pretty low. If the Chiefs pick this game up, it's still going to be a dogfight, Taylor, because that Ravens schedule is soft and they're going to beat up on teams. I mean, they got the one seed last year. Think about the Chiefs as, I mean, obviously they were the best team when it mattered, but, you know, they occasionally will have bouts of inconsistent play. They will occasionally have games i don't want to say that they'll take games off but it's really hard to maintain the level of dominance that the ravens did for 12 games last year after they started two and two yeah and frankly the chiefs the chiefs haven't really ever done that i mean they they're on an 11 no run right now the chiefs just peaked at the right time and they they, they had a 12 and 4 record last year it's not like the yeah. chiefs were a bad team at all, but like but they were squeaking them out. <laughs> they, they were, and the Chiefs have just never been that interested in dominating the regular season. I guess yeah. is the point that I'm trying to make in a roundabout way. Like the Chiefs, do the Chiefs have the talent and the capability to go out and just pants the league for 12 straight games in the regular season? Sure, but that that wasn't our goal last season, and I obviously wasn't the Ravens' goal either. Their goal was to win the Super Bowl. That's every team's goal. But some of the things that they were doing you know, in terms of, you know, I mean, they, they absolutely clowned the Miami dolphins to start last season Mm -hmm. and okay, that's fine. But did you really need to show some of the things that you showed to clown the dolphins by an extra two scores, you know, to clown them 40 to three when you could have beaten them, you know, 30 to three and maybe held a couple of plays closer to the vest that maybe would have won you an extra game. Didn't they drop like 59 on the dolphins? Oh, maybe. I I don't know. It was ridiculous. I think it was 59. I'm going to, I'm going to double check that, but uh, yeah, you're definitely right that they, they seem to Baltimore kind of peacocked up a little bit. They were like, Oh, we got this new, you know, weapon and we're going to, they, they didn't really uh, play it for the long game the way that I think Andy might have. That's one of the first things that I want to talk about, Taylor, that I have on my notes here. I 59-10. 59-10. Yeah. Did you really need to drop 59 points on the Dolphins in week one? Uh, no, you didn't. And I think they did it because they I think they made a deliberate effort at the start of last year. And I think at the start of this year, too, to come out and, and show people that Lamar Jackson – you know, he said after that game, not bad for running back, right? Right, like, right. It's like, okay, we're going to run up the score on a bad Dolphins team just to like kind of stick it to the media and give our quarterback a little confidence or whatever. Okay, that's fine. But that's not the kind of stuff that's going to win you the Super Bowl, right? Like the Chiefs coming into this game have used very little pre-snap motion. This is what I wanted to talk about, Taylor. Okay. This all kind of is building to a point, And this is what that point is. Seth Waldman, who puts together some of these numbers, had the Chiefs using motion 62.7% of the time in week one. So about two thirds of the time. That includes 19.4% where they had motion at the snap. So there's a player moving when the ball is snapped. 
So in week one, that was the third highest overall rate of motion, 62.7%. That was the third highest in the league. And the 19.4% of motion at the snap was the ninth highest. Okay. Okay. So the Ravens in week one were using motion either at the snap or prior to the snap 69% of the time. Nice. That was the highest in the NFL by far. And they were using motion at the snap 29.3% of the time. That was the fourth highest in week one. The Ravens in week two, uh, old Seth only gave us the numbers for motion at the snap. So not overall motion, not counting just pre-snap motion where they move Mm -hmm. and then they come set and they snap the ball. But players were moving when the ball was snapped for the Ravens last week, 51.6% of the time. 51. Which is an absurd number. Just to give you an idea of how absurd it is, the next closest team in week two with motion at the snap was the Rams. They were 20% less than the Ravens. (laughs) Okay, they were at at 30.3%. And the Ravens were at thirty-one point or fifty-one point six. Jeez, that's now absurd. the Chiefs. The Chiefs, after going with a pretty high rate of motion, third highest uh, amount of motion in Week One overall, they were all the way down to eight point six with motion at the snap. So a player moving when the ball was snapped, eight point six percent. That was down from nineteen point four percent in Week One, uh-huh. and that was down to eighteenth in the NFL. Okay. The Chiefs came out. They used quite a bit of motion in their first game against the Texans. And then in week two against the Chargers, they did nothing. Okay. The Ravens, the Ravens ratcheted it up. They were like, you know what? We're going to go even crazier with it. We're going to do even more motion. We're going to prowl around like a cat man in the night. Okay. (laughs) And the Chiefs were like, nope. I mean, we're not going to do that. We're going to play a very vanilla game against the Chargers, which is exactly what we saw. We saw a very, you know, in terms of plays that were schemed up, I can't remember a single play from Sunday that stood out to me that said like, this is a play that I haven't seen before, or this yeah. is a new wrinkle on something yeah. you know, that I maybe have not seen before. Haven't really seen that all year. We haven't. And the Ravens, you know, they, they like to show off their new toys. And I'm just wondering Taylor, whether you think the Ravens strategy here is a good one, whether you think that they have, they clearly have put more on tape than the chiefs have yeah. in the first two weeks. And do you think that's an advantage or do you think, do you think that's an advantage for the Ravens or an advantage for the chiefs? I think that I respect John Harbaugh a lot as a coach, both for what he's accomplished on his own and coming from the Andy Reed tree, which I also obviously have a great deal of respect for. And I think that Harbaugh quite frankly, trusts his athletes. And he thinks that, you know, if if I've got Lamar and I've got Mark Ingram and I've got J.K. Dobbins and, and all these big honks on the um, offensive line and all, the, you know, Marcus Peters and a bunch, I just think he doesn't really think about that. And for his ill or not, um, you know, so far he showed a lot on tape against the Browns in week one, and it really didn't help the Texans very much in week two. So I I don't know. It's, it's hard. I'd like to say that Andy – I trust Andy – explicitly i think that he is he knows how to kind of play the long game in the nfl and if he thinks that not showing anything is going to give him an advantage then i trust him there but i'm not quite sure if harbaugh is on that same page or not yeah i i think there's a little bit almost of like a little bit of a game theory uh thing yeah going on here because the ravens you know they they've shown more 
but that doesn't mean that they've shown everything that they can show. And, you know, part of what the Ravens like to do with all their pre-snap motion, you know, they've put a lot of it on tape in the first two weeks. That doesn't necessarily mean that that's what they're going to do in week three. Yeah. And so by putting more of that stuff on tape, you know, it could be that they're giving the Chiefs the wrong things to study. Sure. And they're going to use those plays that they've already put on tape. Yeah, I mean, you think the Chiefs and Ravens haven't circled this game since the moment the schedule came out? I mean, they've been – this is right. a plot for both of them for sure. It has to. But then on the Chiefs' side, the Chiefs really haven't shown anything at all. And so what the Chiefs are going to be rolling out – is not necessarily different from what they've shown. The first, I mean, it is going to be different from what they've shown the first two weeks, but yeah. it could be stuff that they have never put on tape before. You know, not not necessarily building off of plays that they've already run in the first two weeks, but they could be wheeling out something completely new and different. Pretty much every year that Andy Reid has been the coach of the Chiefs, they've kind of come out the first few weeks of the season and come up with some new wrinkles. Certainly the last three. Yeah, exactly right. And those have all been, you know, there, there have been some big games in there for sure. I mean, obviously the season opener against New England in 2017, you know, where they're running Kareem Hunt up the seam and hitting him for bombs. Yeah. But this game, I think we're going to see just, it's going to be really fun just to see these two teams go at it because there's so much game theory even just, I mean, taking away the fact that these are two immensely talented teams, these are two really good coaches and two really interesting schemes going head to head. Yeah, and coaches that know each other well. I mean, there's just a lot at play here for the AFC race and everything. And the 0-2 Ravens versus Chiefs So since they had Lamar. I mean, there's just, you know, it's a lot of really fun um, subplots. Uh, one thing that I we'll be looking at for sure is so far in Mahomes two games against the Ravens, he has a 69% completion percentage. Nice. Yes. And 750 yards passing five touchdowns. He did throw one pick. He's been sacked four times. He only has six total yards rushing in those two games, which is interesting, really surprising to me. And especially with the Mahomes we've seen lately, obviously early in his career, it's not like we were expecting him to take off running, but that's something he, once he added that to his tool belt, um, he has been unstoppable, especially on third down conversions with just scampering with his legs and picking those up. And then on the other hand, Lamar, he's only down, he's at a 52% completion percentage and he's thrown a lot. He throws a lot against the chiefs. The chiefs kind of force him to pass. And that's not really, uh, I know he says not bad for a running back, but it's not really his bread and butter. He's only thrown for 414 yards in those two games, only through two touchdowns uh, does not have, uh, hasn't thrown a pick 113 yards rushing but most importantly 0-2 in the win-loss column so you know Mahomes versus Lamar so far has gone clearly to Mahomes uh, not only in the record book but in the box score and that'll just be really fun to see both of those guys get juiced up for that matchup yeah I I like that you brought up Mahomes rushing because I do feel like that's something that we've seen a lot more just in the last half of last year, leading up kind of to the stretch run in the playoffs, and then obviously in the postseason, and then just this past week against the Chargers. It really feels like that is kind of a fun key that he's unlocked. Kevin Clark, who we really like, who writes for The Ringer, said, you know, like, isn't it wild that the best thrower of the football in the world can also just scramble for a first down whenever he <laughs> wants to? Yeah. And since the Chiefs played the Chargers in Mexico City last year, he had 59 yards rushing in that game. He had two more 20-yard rushing games in the last five games of the regular season. And then in the playoffs, 
53 yards against Houston, 53 yards rushing against Tennessee, and then 29 yards rushing in the Super Bowl as well. And then obviously in week one, actually, Taylor, he did not have any yards rushing. He had no rushing attempts and no rushing yards. Only second game in his career that he did not have a rushing attempt, the first being that game against Tennessee last year in the regular season when he was coming off his knee injury. But then this past week against the Chargers, six rushing attempts for 54 yards, including that Mm. incredible 31-yard run on third 20 21 yard run on third and 20 i mean he definitely can make things happen with his legs and it'll be fun to see him you know wheel that out against lamar jackson the running quarterback (laughs) and probably ask his teammates did i look like lamar again because you know you know he's thinking about it and then uh the other things i just wanted to hit uh ty didn't play in the second game against the Ravens. And that first one, he had eight catches for 139 yards, including obviously the fourth and nine catch um, was a huge part in the first win and did not play a part in the second one. So it'll be fun to watch him match up with Marcus Peters or whoever, however the Ravens decide to play. Yeah. And Marcus, Marcus Peters was not on the, the no, they traded for him mid mid season after we played, which is significant because obviously Marcus Peters does have an interception off of Pat before when he was a Ram, but that I was, that gonna, was a jump I, ball. That was a duck. It, it was, I mean, it was a duck. It, it was a dumb, it was a dumb play. He, he shouldn't have had a pick. But, I think he got his arm hit by Ebicom yeah, I, on I, that I think play. Yeah. But the, to your point, Taylor, that game, against Baltimore last year. This was before they kind of hit their stride defensively before they traded for Peters, but he didn't have Tyree kill in that game. And he was 27 of 37, 72, almost 73% completion percentage, 72.97, 374 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, 10.11 yards per attempt. I mean, without Tyree kill, without Tyree kill. I mean, that was, that was honestly one of the best games we probably have ever seen him play. I think we're going to see, we're definitely going to see the best version of Pat in this game. I don't know that we're necessarily going to see the best version of Lamar Jackson. You know, and even if they don't see the best version of Lamar or the best version of Pat, both of these teams have enough playmakers capable of turning this game one way or the other. Uh, Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown are two exceptional pass targets for Lamar and Obviously, everyone knows what not only Tyreek and Travis can do, but McCall Hardman and Clyde. And I mean, it's it's going to be, oh, what about, I wonder if Sammy's going to play. I hadn't even really thought about that. He's in the concussion protocol. If he doesn't, that certainly, you know, hurts the Chiefs. That's one less weapon there. But uh, in general, I just feel like the offenses are going to shine. The defenses have a lot of playmakers. Should be, I don't want to say reminiscent of the Chiefs-Rams game, but a lot of the same type of matchups there where just there's just talent all over the field gonna be fun yeah and a kicker you left out a kicking matchup the two best kickers in the nfl that's right harrison bucker coming for justin tucker's spot like it's funny because uh the quarterback battle is almost like the inverse of the kicker battle right like patrick mahomes is the best quarterback in the nfl and lamar wants to take his spot right yeah he wants to be the best yeah he's clearly like number two people are like man you're really good well russell wilson's probably number two but yeah yeah, he's he's definitely he's entering the conversation he won an mvp you know he wants to come and he wants to take pat's spot and then Mm -hmm. the kicker battle which is just as fierce (laughs) It's for the flip side, right? Justin Tucker is incredible. Yeah, he's He's the the best kicker in the NFL, and he's been the best kicker in the NFL for years and years. But Butker, man, is coming on strong. He's coming for that crown. He wants to be the best kicker in the NFL. It's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be a super fun game. It's in prime time. It's on Monday Night Football. That means we're going to have to wait an extra day to see this game. 
but I, I just, I couldn't be more excited for it, Taylor, even though I got to admit, I'm a little apprehensive about this game. Yeah, I picked me the too. Chiefs to lose this game in our season preview show. I predicted a 14 and two record and I did have the Chiefs with a loss in this one. What's your prediction for this game, Taylor? I predict a shootout victory for the Chiefs. I'm going to go 42-41. It's going to be late. It's going to be excruciating. It's probably going to be uh, a last-second Harrison Butker field goal to beat them. So, uh, you know, why why don't we just chalk it up? 42-41, final score. Boy, I would love it. I'm going to just – I'm just going to steal that. I I like where you're going with that, and I'm just going to – I'm just going to pick 42-41 Ravens. I'm going to say it's a Justin Tucker (laughs) walk-off field goal. Uh, One of us will be right. I mean, that's the only – that's the only way this game could go. It's going to be a one-point win either way. It's either going to be Harrison Butker walking off the field in glorious victory for our Chiefs or Justin Tucker walking off in ignominious defeat for our Chiefs. But either way, (laughs) It's always sunny in Chiefs Kingdom.